The Eagles are at the podium, and we've got it all for you right here, powered by SB Nation and BleedingGreenNation.com. I'm your host, John Stolnes. You can follow me on Twitter, at John Stolnes. Coming up, we're going to hear from Doug Peterson. I'm going to give you my prediction on that game coming up here in just a second as well. And um, we're going to open up the mailbag here. I guess I'll be stepping to the podium to answer just a couple of Twitter questions in just a few minutes. But before we get to all that, let's go over this uh, Orlando Scamdrick stuff. And I- I'm calling my man Scamdrick. I know that it's kind of a talk radio thing to do but this whole thing is a scam. Do you guys all realize that, that th- this whole thing is a scam that went on on Friday afternoon here but with Orlando going on FS1 and, uh, and, and bashing Howie Roseman and uh, Malcolm Jenkins and talking about how the team is having, having trouble with winning? And th- Listen, there's, in every little bit of a story, there is some truth. And there is certainly some truth in what Scamdrick had to say. But if you want to hear if you want to hear some some good thoughts on his initial comments, I, I highly recommend and you've probably already listened to it at this point. But BLG and Jimmy Kemsky chatted about it with an emergency Orlando Scamdrick BGN radio podcast that you're gonna want to make sure that you hit. But they hit on most of the major points, and so I'm gonna let you know, I'll let them I agree with just about everything they had to say. You know, it's kind of low class to, you know, as soon as you leave a team, you go out and you trash him. But of course, Scamdrick is hurt, you know. Howie Roseman cut him because he wasn't productive, but for in, in Scamdrick's eyes, he seems to think that he'd been playing some pretty darn good football and that he's been a scapegoat for everything. So you know you know all that nonsense. You 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 get it. You know, I, I do think there is some some truth to what he had to say about this team is having trouble handling winning. And they're he's talking about winning the 2017 Super Bowl. They they have had a hard time, it seems, getting back to that level. They did make the playoffs last year and won a playoff game, but it was a real struggle. And this year they're three and four to start the season. And maybe the mindset of some of the players seems to be that they're a Super Bowl team and eventually they're just going to turn it around and they're just a couple of small things away. But, you know, we came into the season thinking the same thing, that this was a Super Bowl contender and they have come far from playing like it. I do think Josina Anderson's tweet about Scandrick's comments. I'll go back to calling him Scandrick because I sound like an idiot if I keep calling him Scandrick. Uh, but uh, Josina Anderson's tweet about Scandrick's comments were a quote tweet of his comments, and she added, quote, on record. And I just wondered what she was implying there. You know, she could be saying, well, listen, here's somebody on the record as opposed to the off the record person that I talked to before. But if you do an advanced Twitter search on Josina Anderson's Twitter and Orlando Scandrick, you will find that there has been a lot of breaking news involving Orlando Scandrick that was broken by Josina Anderson. So just throwing that out there, everybody. I mean, I think Howard Eskin, as we all know, kind of threw Alshon Jeffrey as the name for the anonymous source of Josina Anderson. Is that was was made that maybe not? correct you know I mean it certainly seems like Orlando Skandrick has issues with this team for sure he has issues with this team and you know are the Eagles having trouble dealing with success they are do some players prefer Nick Foles over Carson Wentz yeah I think they probably do but that ain't news We've known that coming in. That's why I hated the Foles Shrine last year. That's why I didn't think the Foles Shrine was funny last year. Because there were people in the locker room that prefer Foles over Wentz, which makes things incredibly uncomfortable for Wentz, especially when you know that he is the future. One of the things that Orlando said in that first interview uh, with uh, Skip and with Shannon was that this team does recognize this is Carson Wentz's team, and Nick Foles is not coming back through that door. So I don't care what Nick Foles did in an Eagles uniform while he was here. He ain't the future of this team. Carson Wentz is, and Doug Peterson and Mike Groh have to figure out a way to get Carson Wentz in rhythm. These guys have to figure out a way to get this offense moving forward together. And 
It's not going to happen. If teammates are continually looking, looking out the doors waiting for Nick Foles to come back, it isn't happening. But this is clearly a hit and run by a marginal player who played for a division rival his whole career, the Dallas Cowboys, and is clearly a malcontent that he got cut by Howie Roseman. I mean, it's not like this guy doesn't have an agenda. You can see it as plain as day. Eagles players, by the way, responded to what Orlando Skandrick had to say in the locker room after the comments, and they made the comments, I think, after BLG and Jimmy Kemsky uh, recorded their podcast. And first up, obviously, Malcolm Jenkins was the guy everybody gravitated towards because he is seen as the team leader. I think overall, he's a team captain, but he's the guy that everybody goes to. And he said flat out, we don't need that mother effort in the room. And he basically said no one there that is in that locker room for three weeks can know, can know anything about what's happening inside of it. On, on why the issues off the field keep happening. And maybe that's the larger question we should be talking about. Are there a lot of larger off-the-field issues? Maybe a lot of these issues over the last few weeks is all coming from one guy. It's all coming from one guy. Orlando Skandrick, maybe. Maybe. We don't know that for sure. But he said it's, you know, it's Philadelphia. So I've talked to players who've come here, and it's like, we want to be a part of the culture, and we want to be a part of what happens here. But obviously, not everyone is built for it. And that could be a that seems to be a shot at Skandrick, not being built for this culture in that locker room. And Skandrick took a shot at Lane Johnson for uh, Johnson's comments after the game on Sunday that some players were late to meetings and all that stuff. Lane did admit when he talked to reporters at practice after practice on Friday that he probably should have kept his mouth shut, that he did not say the right thing. And he probably shouldn't have said anything at all because he couldn't back it up with a specific example. But the Eagles are fighting back against Skandrick here, and that's that's what's clear. What's also clear is that I think Skandrick is doing this for a paycheck. Because not only did he go on the, the Skip and the um, and Shannon Sharp show, um, Undisputed, I think is what it is. I don't usually, I don't watch a lot of FS1. But then he went on The Herd with Cal, Colin Cowherd later on. And he started, he did his whole spiel there too. He's making the TV rounds. And, and on The Herd, he was asked if he wants to play football again. And he said, no, I think I'm done with football. I really want to get into a career on TV. Well, he's he's on FS1, which is which, which makes its name for being the station that has takes. They they want to be the station that has people making outrageous statements and claims and and making news with what they have to say. And Orlando, this is an audition. Orlando Skandrick is auditioning for his next career. That's what this is. So that's not to say there wasn't some truth in what he had to say, but this is also a consider the source type situation that he probably embellished a lot of things. He probably, he, there's probably a personal beef and maybe it's a longstanding personal beef between him and Malcolm Jenkins because that stuff sounds personal. That stuff doesn't sound like it was confined to the field. So that's all this was. This was a scam. This was a chance for him to hit at a team he never liked and, and that's it. And to make money while he's doing it, to start his next career while he's doing it. That's what this was. This dude was a longtime cowboy. He was upset he still wasn't a cowboy. He talked to his former cowboy teammates leading up to the game. He, if he could play, he'd still want to be a cowboy. He'd want to be a cowboy now. Now look, this locker room is clearly, clearly frustrated by how they're playing, and, and they're not handling it well. Lane Johnson needs to to not talk cryptically, and he needs to stop laying blame for missed meetings and stuff after he played the worst game of his career. Right now, players from this point on just need to shut up and play. 
And so we we kind of know some of the things that are going on here. We know what Skandrick is. We we kind of know what he's angling for. We know how the Eagles locker room is 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 talking about it. What we don't know is what happens moving forward. What happens now? Uh, Malcolm Jenkins said for the first time since he's been there, they had a players-only team meeting this week. And he said, I'm not going to talk about what was said. I think at the end of the day, guys in this locker room trust one another and believe in one another. This all sets up an incredibly important football game on Sunday. Because you wonder if a loss creates an implosion that reverberates so much that it fractures the locker room. You're almost scared to see what's going to happen next if they lose their third straight game on Sunday. I mean, what would certainly help is a convincing win in Buffalo against the Bills. And it's certainly a game the Eagles can win. You know, they're one and a half point underdogs, but this is a game the Eagles can win. And I'm going to give you my prediction in just a minute. But that's the big question. How does the team respond to all of this locker room stuff? Because locker rooms are harmonious when teams are winning. But when a winning team, a team that is perceived to be a winner, has expectations to go to the Super Bowl, starts off three and four, players start lashing out because they don't know what to do with what they're feeling. And when a guy like Orlando Skandrick comes in and gets cut, and he's delusional into thinking he's been playing great and that he feels like he's being scapegoated and he wants a career in TV, you get what what happened on Friday. And that's what's going on. Let me give you a quick injury update from players uh, from uh, Doug Peterson on Friday. Uh, None of the players who missed practice this week will play on Sunday, which of course means no Deshaun Jackson. Doug on Deshaun, he said, He's another one that's getting close. Obviously, he's been running and progressing. We'll see where he's at today with his rehab. Hopefully, we can get him maybe on the grass next week and see. But they don't want to rush him back, so he won't play in Buffalo. Avante Maddox cleared the concussion protocol, and he was back out on the practice field, but he's not going to play on Sunday. Uh, No Nigel Bradham once again, which is bad news for a banged-up linebacking core that also has lost LJ Fort and uh, Zach Brown over the last couple of weeks uh, as the team cut them. The Eagles will get Ronald Darby back this week. Uh, he should be a full go after a good week of practice. So now they'll have Jalen Mills and Ronald Darby, their starters, back on the outside, and hopefully uh, that will help settle things down. Sounds like uh, uh, Avante Maddox is close to getting back. And who knows what they do with Sidney Jones, whether or not Jones will actually get a snap this week, if they're going to make him the slot corner or the, uh, a backup in one of the outside spots. All right, real quick, let's open up the mailbag here, and uh, let's go to uh, Lenny R. at for DeBirds30, he asks, if Jackson would have had the operation he declined to get, wouldn't he almost be back now at 100%? You know, it's an open question. I think a lot of people think he could have been back by now. Uh, you never know how a player is going to respond to surgery, though. And that's, you always want to try to have a player avoid getting cut, if possible. Not cut like cut from the team, cut with a scalpel. You don't want that if you if you can avoid it. If you're thinking that you can get a player back without him undergoing surgery, you do that because anytime you cut somebody open, stuff can go wrong. Now, granted, he probably would have been fine the, the, the vast majority of the time. The odds are high. But even if there's not something life-threatening, you could get an infection. So something can happen that can that can set things back. And I know Doug keeps saying that things are going the way they thought they were going to go with Deshaun. I got to think they're surprised that it's taking this long. And then maybe should they should have put him on IR a few weeks ago. I think if they'd have known he was going to be out this long, they probably would have put him on IR a few weeks ago. In hindsight, yes, if he had had the operation he declined, he might be back at 100% by now. It's the, the team is still saying it's actually not even sure when he comes back that he'll be 100%. So this, this is kind of shaping up and looking like a lost season for Deshaun Jackson. I hope that's not the case as we move forward here. But um, you can look at that thing with hindsight, but it's hard to know at the time. It's hard to say if the doctors are telling you you can get it better by rest and rehab as opposed to a surgery, why you would opt for the surgery. 
David Tomei at D underscore Tomei asks, with Howie playing the win now and win in the future game since 2016, do you see the Eagles shifting their philosophy toward a youth movement? Jenkins, Johnson, Brooks, Kelsey will be around, yes, but do you see a youth movement on the horizon with 10 draft picks in April? Obviously, yes, that's what they want, especially now that Carson Wentz is earning that big money deal. They need their draft picks to, they need to not only hit on their draft picks, they need them to play pretty quickly. That's why Ortega Whiteside's lack of production and playing time has has really hurt this team so much. It's why Miles Sanders' uh, rough transition as a running back, as a runner, uh, as a second-round pick is has been so tough. And that's why um, not having a first-round pick the year before, why drafting a second tight end in Dallas Goddard, as talented as he may be, may not have been the best utilization of that particular pick. You don't have that young talent right now. You, you have not been able to develop the cornerbacks with some of your early picks. The Sidney Jones pick has really hurt this team. Uh, and maybe he'll turn it around, but I don't think anybody's optimistic that that's going to be the case. So, yes, of course, that's why the Eagles cut LJ Ford. That's one of the reasons they let him go was to get that compensatory fourth round draft pick back. But you'll see, I guess we'll see over the next few days between now and the trade deadline, if they're willing to sacrifice some of those trade picks to get a player like Robbie Anderson or, or some kind of defensive tackle help, then that's what they might have to do because you're not going to see them punt on 2019. Now, if they lose on Sunday and fall to three and five, they, they just might decide not to go for Robbie Anderson, especially if the price is a two. If it's a three, I think they probably make the move regardless because they're going to use one of their top three picks on a speed wide receiver anyway. So why not get a young guy who's under 25 who you can probably sign to a, a longer term deal? It's just going to be at more money than you than you would if you drafted somebody. And that's something they have to consider because Alshon's going to be back. Uh, you know that uh, Deshaun Jackson's going to be back. And so if they have Robbie Anderson here, Again, Ortega Whiteside, now your second-round pick that's two years removed, is going to be your fourth-string wide receiver. And any wide receiver you take in the draft you're, is, isn't going to see the field at all. So, again, that's that may not be the, the right thing to do. They might just trade a three for Robbie Anderson for this year and just bite the bullet on losing the three and hope one of their compensatory picks, they can, they can hit on a player there, although you know you're much further down the draft at that point. There is a real balancing act. They obviously do need to get younger and need some of these draft picks to hit, and they need to produce here over the next few years for sure. Uh, Huey P at Fly Eagles Fly asks, could we pull off an Anderson and Williams package? Of course, talking about Robbie Anderson, the speed wide receiver from the Jets, and uh, uh, Leonard Williams of the Jets defensive tackle. The Eagles desperately need help at defensive tackle. They might need more help at that position than they do wide receiver. And here, here's the issue. With both of these guys, they're both on expiring contracts. So let's admit, let's say you have to give up a two and a four for Anderson and Williams uh, to get both of those players. That's two picks. And you desperately need some of these draft picks in order to uh, make your team younger, as we just talked about. And if you can't, if you can't sign one, if you if you can't sign these guys to an extension, and I don't think they'd want to sign Williams to an extension, is because he's a little bit of an older player. You know, it just doesn't make any sense for me anyway to try and trade for both of them. I do think that if they strike out with Robbie Anderson, that maybe they switch their focus to Leonard Williams. But I don't think they're going to want to sign two expiring contracts. I think one is as much as they would do. Two is probably too much, and the price would probably be too high for both of those guys. So no, I don't think a package deal is going to work there. Last thing, Aaron at Aaron Bravo 52 asks, is Nelly our best wide receiver? Real, real question. He's not asking a sarcastic question here, asking if Nelson Aguilar is our best receiver. 
Well, if you're looking at separation ability, he's rated by Pro Football Focus as the, oh, no, pardon me, by football, was it Football Outsiders or PFF? I'm trying to remember now, as the 10th best receiver in terms of getting separation. We see that. We see him getting open down the field. He just can't catch the ball. He's one of the lowest rated uh, wide receivers in all of football across all the metrics. But then again, so is Matt Collins, and so is Ortega Whiteside for the few amount of snaps that Ortega Whiteside has gotten on the field. But no, he's not better than Alshon Jeffrey. Alshon Jeffrey has graded out pretty well here as a wide receiver so far this season. But uh, Nelson Aguilar does have more speed than Alshon. He's the, you know, if he could catch and track the ball, he'd certainly be the, the, the bigger play option. But no, Nelson Aguilar, as bad as the Eagles wide receivers are, he's not the best wide receiver on the team. That distinction does still go to Alshon Jeffrey, even though Jeffrey's skill set right now is much more limited than it was back in 2017. All right, prediction time. How are the Eagles going to respond to this week of turmoil? Peterson said on Friday that the off-field distractions can play a part in the Eagles struggling, that it may have an effect. You don't usually hear that from a coach. But he did say that the team has responded well after a lot of distraction this year. As I mentioned earlier, they held the players-only meeting. I think this game against the Bills, you could break it down by a lot of X's and O's. I think, at the, I think the bottom line is as bad as the defense has played, I think they're better than the Bills' offense. And I think as bad as they have played, the Eagles' offense can put up points on the Bills' defense, which is very good. The, Bill has, the Bills do have a very good defense. Uh, I think this has got to be a Doug Peterson-Carson Wentz week where they, they dial up a game plan that works. I don't know if the Eagles are going to take the ball first again. That did not work well in Dallas because they fumbled things away. But you really wonder how that Dallas would have gone if Goddard doesn't fumble the ball on the opening possession and if Wentz doesn't fumble the ball on the strip sack. They hold on to the footballs. Or it falls underneath an Eagles player and they recover it. That whole game might be totally different. So you just have to, you know, the ebbs and flows week to week oftentimes don't make any sense. So we are at our lowest point right now with the Eagles. To me... I think it's a buy low opportunity. I almost see it as a buy low to go to go in on the Eagles and, and buy them this week. I think the Eagles will come back. I think I think they're gonna rally around this. I think I think they're gonna rally around the Orlando Scandrick stuff. I think they're gonna rally around Carson Wentz. I really do think this team is gonna put a hurtin' on the Buffalo Bills this Sunday. I'm gonna say Eagles 31, Buffalo Bills 13. And you know from my past predictions, I have I picked the Lions to beat them, I picked the Vikings to beat them. I don't I don't look at these games on emotion very much. I do think this Sunday is an emotion win. And I think they get on top early, and I think they dominate the Buffalo Bills in Buffalo this Sunday. All right, let's take a quick break. And when we get back, we'll hear from Doug Peterson at the podium. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. As you start the week, who do you 
know will not be available. Not be available. Yeah, I can um, give you a whole list of injuries, but who do you know is not going to be available? Well, we know that possibly Avante Maddox would not be available still. Um, he's still dealing with some soreness. Thing is, with, with Avante, just to be clear, um, he's he, he, it's a head and a neck injury, right? Um, that he's that he suffered. So uh, he's technically still in in the protocol until he clears really both both injuries. So that's why he probably would not make it this week. Um, would expect Darby to be out there, you know, fully. Obviously, um, Jalen came out of the game well. He'll be out there. Deshaun is still working and in conditioning. Won't practice with the team, but he'll do his running and rehab like like he's been doing. Uh, Nigel will ramp his uh, rehab up this week. Um, we'll see where he's at. I don't expect him necessarily to practice today. Um, Timmy Jernigan, same thing. He's going to ramp his progression, but, but won't practice with the team necessarily. He'll be off to the side. Um, who else is on your list? Jason. And Jason, the same way, you know, we'll work his, work his conditioning and, and, uh, but won't practice today. Yeah, he, he's, he's another one that's, uh, that won't practice. Um, it's a little bit, Longer, uh, probably you know, week to week with him. Um, yeah, I mean, we're down to you know, we're down to really one guy, you know, with Fletcher. We had to we had to make a couple moves there, so um, all part of the process. So I'd expect both those guys to play. With Deshaun's injury, um, is it going on a little longer than? You thought, and no. so in retrospect, would it be would have been better to put him on IR? No, no. Um, I mean, he he's right where right where we expect him to be at this time. You know, um, you know, IR would have put him, you know, I don't know, eight weeks or so out. But but this, he, he's right where he needs to be. He's getting close. With Avante, are there still concussion symptoms uh, as far as? You know the testing and all that stuff, or is it just the the symptoms? The symptoms are fine. He's okay from that. It's it's the neck, and that's that's the concern and for us. And so we're making sure that he's still dealing with some soreness, obviously. Um, and so we're still working with that range of motion, all of that before we put him back out there. Uh, Sproles is getting close too. He's uh, he's going to work. He probably won't practice with the team. I know he won't practice with the team, but he'll do his conditioning, you know, and, and all that off to the side. Are you saw the uh, the complaint uh, in respect of. How are you handling that? The police are handling it. Uh, it's a personal issue, so I'm I'm out of it. He was out. Coach, what sort of so he was out it? from uh, practice on Wednesday. It was uh, labeled as an illness. Was it related? Unrelated. To Unrelated to that. Yeah. Coach, what sort of security measures does the team undertake when an incident like this happens uh, to Fletcher Cox? So what are you doing to help protect him, considering what happened? Yeah, you know, as far as the security issue, um, you know, we, we look into it and, and obviously the police get involved. And, and really, from that standpoint, I, I can't do anything other than, than, than you know, uh, hear the results of the investigation and what comes out of that. Um, obviously, we do our best to protect our players you know, here on, on premise, but obviously they have personal lives and we all have personal lives and, and uh, things are going to come up. And, and so we do the best we can to, to educate our players um, and try to protect them the best we can. Um, that's something we'll look into, uh, obviously uh, after we, you know, uh, get the, get the report back from, you know, from the police. What kind of signals are you getting from the, the team so far this week? Really good. Really good. Uh, this team is, this team is mad. Uh, they're upset. 
uh, and they're disappointed uh, in, in how uh, we've, we've lost these last two games. Uh, they're embarrassed, obviously, from the other day. Um, and, and so they, they, they're, it, which is good. I mean, it's, it's, it's not good that you lose, but it's good. The fact that they're, they're taking ownership of it, uh, you know, and, and, uh, they're, they're in a good spot. And, and, uh, you know, again, like I've said, this is, it's a resilient group. They're going to bounce back and, and respond positively. What specific signs have you seen from them so far? You said they're mad at this league. I just think just how they're talking, you know, um, one of them, they, they want to get back out on the practice field. They want to correct the mistakes. They want to push forward. They want to get to the next game. I mean, all those things are just signs of uh, of a team that's wanting to uh, to get better, and and that's what I've seen. Todd, as far as messaging from your perspective this week, did anything change to encourage them to take ownership of it? You know, I think the biggest thing for me is is every day we come to work. You know, we've we've got to earn it every single day. Nothing's going to be handed to us, and 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 we got to go to work and practice and prepare and 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 you know, same way as coaches, we got to prepare you know, like we've been doing, I think we have to maintain, you know, our, our trust in our process that we talk a lot about and, and how we go about that. And, um, sometimes it's, uh, you know, I could, I could, I could look all around and try to find stuff, but really the answers are right in the building. And, and we just got to make sure that, that we, we continue to coach our players, you know, play, uh, coach them up. They understand the game plan and that we have to just, we have to go earn, earn it every single day. Sunday, but was him not playing any snaps in any way similar to what you did with Nelson Aguilar a few years ago when he didn't play or he didn't dress to have him kind of step back and watch the game and, and you know, coach? No. No. Where's the where's the confidence right now? I I I to be respectful. I hate to put words in Sydney's mouth. I think that might be a question for him, honestly. Um, I think he's after watching him in practice last week, coming back from injury, you know, that he's, he's battled injury pretty much his whole career here. My observation of him, and this is just mine, is that he's, he's in a good place and, and he's, he's, uh, he's ready to, to get back out there and perform. Is he your cornerback? Uh, we'll work through that this week. Yes. We got few options, but we'll work through that, yeah. The, the trade, trade deadline's less than a week away. I know you don't have direct input into personnel decisions, but have you and Howie had any conversations about, <coughs> you know, about situations uh, and whether to add players? Yes. <laughs> no. <laughs> you know, as you guys know, uh, we're and, and it's kind of a redundant answer, but we're always going to look to add value and, and talent and depth. Uh, we know that we're, you know, we understand our injury situation, uh, especially defensive line, you know, so if, if we just start there, let's say, um, you know, and, and, and look and see what's available, see what, see what we can do. But, you know, we're, we're going to, we're going to do what's best for the Philadelphia Eagles, as you know. And um, I, I think that's, that's where we start. But to answer the question, yes, Howie and I have had conversation. So how does that uh, collaboration, <laughs> Times do you go to Howie and say? He usually walks to my office, or I usually walk to his. And we can sometimes the phone. Because of some of the issues, whether they're injury related, whatever, do you go and say, "Look, I could use some help at this particular position." Yeah, and that's I think that's the thing that uh, I think Howie and I are on the same page about. He he sees the same injuries that we see, and and he knows he knows the bind that we're in at, at certain positions. So, you know, he's constantly 
with his with his team of guys working to to find players that are out there, whether they're on other teams' practice rosters or, you know, with the trade deadline coming up, if it's through that, whatever it might be, or over our practice roster, which we've made moves already this season doing that. So, you know, uh, he he's in he's in tune with all that. Uh, we're in we're in direct communication a lot, you know, especially these past few days, uh, and and trying to get the best players in here that we can. It seems after each game, it, it, it seems after each game in the post game press conferences, you're mostly happy with how Carson's played. What role do you think he has in, in kind of where the team and the offense is right now? Um, I, I, I am pleased, you know, where Carson's at. Um, but at the same time, I would tell you that, that there's some room for improvement too. And and he would tell you the same. He would tell you the same thing. And it's not all about one guy. You know, we have to get better as a unit. We have to um, offensively. You know whether it starts. Everything starts with the offensive line and making sure that they're on point with um, what they're seeing from the front blitzes, run game, all of that. And then that just trickles back to the quarterback. It trickles back to the the tight ends, the running back, and then of course the receivers in the passing game. Um, you know, and 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 there are some things that that are that come up in games that are unscouted looks, meaning the defense has put something in new, which we we expect a defense to do that from time to time. That that uh, that disrupts the offense a little bit until we can make an, an adjustment. But, um, you know, I might have said this, I don't know, last week or the week before, but, but we're, we're really close. I mean, we're, we're just a block or two away or, you know, Miles just uh, the, the, the youth of a running back just hitting the hole in the right spot, you know, and stuff like that. There's just those types of things we're still working through with him and, and some of the younger players. I thought Andre played well last week, but getting all those pieces to gel – um, Carson's obviously a big part of that. So you had double-digit deficits in six of the seven games. How has that affected Carson? Well, I mean, yeah, it, it affects everybody. It doesn't affect Carson. It affects me as a play caller. It kind of gets you out of what you would like to do and kind of focuses more on, you know, we got to score and score kind of in a, in a hurry to get back into this football game. But, you know, I think I look back on it too, and th- there's still a lot of football to be played, so you so in, in some regards, you can you can kind of stick with your game plan and um, and just try to try to work yourself back into uh, the game that way. But it, it disrupts everybody, you know, and, and that's something that uh, we, we got to stop and we got to stop it, you know, in a hurry. What are the points of emphasis with Carson to, to get from kind of right there to, to there? You know, I, I he, he what he's what he's been doing great is, number one, he, the ball is being distributed you know, distributed to, to more guys. And, and, and that's, that's a positive, you know, we've opened up a little more of the offense that way. And, um, you know, I think, I think the addition of Jordan Howard and the, the, the some of the, some of the runs we've had with him, you know, has, has helped Carson in, in the passing game and, and just, you know, his overall just understanding of our offense, knowing where everybody's going to be, um, you know, is, is also helping and, and, we just got to continue to do more of that. We got to cultivate more of that as an offense, and 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 just build off of that. Biggest thing is just we got to protect the football, and 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 stay on the field and execute. And you know, um, you look at the game the other day. If you know if Dallas doesn't fumble there, we're either third and one, third and two, with a chance to stay on the field first down. And I mean, we just got to protect the football. Yeah, thanks, guys. Thank you. We do have uh, Bruce Hector, obviously on practice squad, that we could bring up to be the fourth guy if, uh, if we need to. So you're thinking defensive tackle there, is that? Possibly, yes. How those other two rookie defensive tackles kind of acclimated this week? Are they going to be ready to, to play like you need them to? They're going to have to. 
Otherwise, otherwise, Fletcher is taking every snap on defense. Um, yeah, they're gonna, they're gonna have to they're gonna have to play. I mean, that's why we brought them in here. Uh, we're excited to to get them in here, get them working. They did a great job this week in practice. Another day today, tomorrow. Um, you know, and and obviously we know Anthony. He's been here before, so he knows our scheme, and and uh, that's that's positive too. What did what did Bruce show you? And he got a lot of snaps last year. He got some. Bruce. Yeah, I mean, it's a guy that. Uh, um, Obviously, been in our system, um, you know, knows the defense, knows the front. He, he's, he's a if if given. I know he's he's excited if given the opportunity. <clears throat> you know, it's something he's kind of you can see him at practice, and he's been talking to the guys about it. Like, man, is, you know, hopefully this is my time, and um, you know, and and if he does, he'll do he'll do well for us. But uh, you know, um, just again, it gives us uh, the added depth we need at that spot until we get some guys back. Have you figured out the uh, the, the slot corner position yet? I have. Uh, Who's playing there? I'm not going to tell you publicly. Okay. <laughs> How much progress has Ronald Darby made over the last two weeks? I know he dressed last week. Thanks for being on time, Les. <laughs> <laughs> um, Darby. Uh, Darby's made really good progress. Uh, he, he feels good. He feels healthy. Um, you know, and again, just working himself back into – you know, into playing shape and playing football shape, you know, is, is the biggest thing with, with guys that have, that have missed time. So uh, he's looked good in practice. Uh, I'm excited for uh, his opportunity this weekend. Where's Cravon at as far as uh, <coughs> he's eligible now, but how, how, is he getting close to being able to get out there? He's getting close. Uh, he's, he, he's, he's working really hard, you know, off on the side and, you know, with our, with our, uh, you know, with Shereen and, and then the medical team. And um, he's, he's, he's close, you know, to coming back and, and, um, Again, just want to make sure you know that uh, you know he's 100, percent but he, he's he's getting there. What makes uh, Buffalo's past defense a unique challenge? Um, <clears throat> one, they got they got great personnel. Number one, uh, number two, uh, it's uh, you know it's it's uh, they're 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 very good up front. They're, they're they're four pass rushers, and and this is a team that um, you know they don't they don't show you a lot. You know, from the standpoint of tipping their hands, like they disguise a lot of things, and then they, they can bring a blitz just like like that. So it, it makes you really account for um, you know where they are, how they line up, our keys, our reads, things like that. Uh, I feel like this is a really good secondary, uh, the back end. Uh, these two safeties are smart, they're talented, they're tough kids. Um, you know, White is, in, in my opinion, he's he's playing at a high level. Uh, right now, he's making plays on the ball, and, and just overall, they're playing with a lot of confidence. And it's opportunistic team; they're creating turnovers for their offense. What's the key then, uh, you know, for, for your guys' offense when you're going up against a yeah, uh, well, unit like that? One, you can't turn the ball over. You know, like we we got to learn from our mistakes here in the last few weeks. That's a, that's the biggest thing, and just it's just execution. Um, you know, I I think sometimes, you know. You just have to go and, and, you know, execute the play that's called and uh, understand the structure of the defense. Know your matchups, obviously. Um, you know, know who you're going against. Study their, you know, their their tendencies. And, you know, where we have to get better, obviously, is, is third down. we got to stay on the field a little better, uh, a little more. Um, and then and then not give them we – can't, we can't give any opponent really – uh, you know, uh, anything, whether it be by penalty or, or, or turnover. And, and those are things that have have, have really kind of hurt us in the last couple of weeks. Uh, just in uh, general, after two difficult losses, how do you think your team has handled this week? How do you think they've responded? <sighs> they've responded well. Uh, last week, we had a lot of distraction last week. And, 
and uh, off the field distraction. And um, they've put that behind them. They've moved on. They've, they're focused in on this this game, this this opponent. They understand, you know, the mistakes they've made. Uh, as coaches, it's our job to not only point that out, but to correct it and fix it. Uh, they've done that, and uh, uh, you know, they're excited for for this chance to to go play again this weekend. I, th- I think what I'm seeing, you know, from, you know, the guys on the field, whether it be, you know, the leadership council or just anybody on the field, how they're just, they're, they're encouraging, you know, if something happens in practice, they want to repeat a play, they want to get it, they want to get it right, they want to make that correction right away. Uh, they're working off on the side, you know, Carson and receivers are throwing extra on the side or the offensive line is working extra on the side, whatever it might be. Um, you know, and those are all signs of teams that, that uh, uh, it, it, it means something to them. It's important to them, and they want to fix it. And uh, nobody likes to lose, obviously, in this league or at any league and any level, and um, they're working hard to fix it. Do you feel like the distractions affected the team? I mean, I, I think it, it, can, it, can, it, can, it can play a part, you know, when they're hearing about it every day and you guys are asking them every day. Yeah, it can, it can definitely affect the mentality, me standing up here every day, you know. Well, not every day, but every other day. And you wish I would, you know. But but that's just the thing is is that's that's our jobs. Listen, that that comes with the territory. Um, <clears throat> we're based on wins and losses in this league, and you know sometimes it's unfortunate, but but that's how we're judged. And uh, you know we we take the we take the good with the bad, and we stand up here and we face the music, and our players have to do the same thing, and they've done a great job of that. And and um, I think that's part of the resiliency of this football team. Said uh, there was a meeting and discussion about about this anonymous source. Can you give us any insight into was it a full team one? Was it just uh, you and the offense? You know, what exactly uh, did it entail? I know for my part. I mean, I, I addressed it with the team. Just that we, you know we can't have that. You know, open dialogue is the best way. Uh, if there's an issue, just you know come to me or come to the player. I mean, that's just the way we handle things. But um, if there's been player dialogue, I mean, that's, that's something that I don't, you know, that's, that's up to them. Has that been a big part of your messaging this week is kind of refocusing on the task instead of the surrounding distraction? We got to keep the main thing, the main thing. Exactly right. You know, we're here to play football and win football games. So, um, that's our main focus. And, uh, you know, we got a great opportunity against a really good football team Sunday. Where does, where does the Sean Jackson status stand as of today? Yeah, I know Deshaun. Um, he's uh, he's 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 another one that's getting close. Uh, obviously, he's been running and and and, and progressing. Um, you know, we'll see where he's at today uh, with his rehab. You know, hopefully, we can get him maybe on the grass next week and and and, and see. But uh, again, um, you know, as we mentioned before, I don't want to rush him back. The six players who have not practiced yet this week um, are they not playing? Um, the guys that are in question, I think that you're referencing to, um, will probably not play again. Um, one update. Thanks for asking. Uh, Avante Maddox, uh, will actually do some practice service team reps today uh, in practice. So he's, he's getting close. Unless we, you had. Yeah. Yeah. Unless we, you had five players active who didn't get on the field. Um, is that something you need to kind of look at? And in, 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 I, I know you're pressed with injuries, but players who are active, figuring out roles for them, whether it's special teams, whether you know. Yeah, that's all. That's all part of the you know, 
and the thing you got to you got to ask yourself is you know if 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 the guys that are hurt are active, then those guys are not active. So it it it, it kind of flips itself a little bit. But you're absolutely right. There, you know, we have to find as coaches, we got to find opportunities to get them in the football game to where where they can help and. You know, a lot of times, you you know, sometimes too, the, the 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 player that's playing doesn't want to come off the field, you know, or doesn't want to take that break, you know, for a series or two, and 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 that's a credit to the guy that's playing. But um, you know, as coaches, we got to find roles for everybody, you know, all all forty six that are that are dressing. So Sharif Miller, is he a guy you can find a, a role? I, I think so. Him? And again, with with the, the you know. You got more DNs and you got tackles, and, and right now you're looking to, to fill the tackle spot. You know, and sometimes getting on the field as a third or, you know, maybe not a third, but like a like a fifth or sixth D end is hard. You know, it's just tough to, to get on the field unless you can get on the field on you know on special teams. Yeah. Oh, that's it. Cheese.